Welcome, everyone, to Arts for the Health of It. I'm Richard Wilmore. I'm Catherine Partisini, and we're here with Kate Powell. I always, I can't. And I always forget to do this. Do that again. Well, every single time we're going to do this. I promise this will get better. Okay, ready? Go. We're here with Kate Powell. Uh, hi, Kate. Hi. Welcome. I love the the accolades at the beginning. I feel like you should do that a few more times. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, we, uh, every time, uh, every like every three time minutes, I'll set a name. timer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Kate. <laughs> so we'll um, we all should have. We should have been recording this before because we had a, a great um, conversation about Christmas music before yes. we started. Kate is a lover of Christmas and Christmas music as I am. Catherine, you didn't really chime in. So I feel like maybe you're not yeah. or. No, I, I am. And actually my six-year-old insists that the Christmas music is on all the time. Um, as she should. Yes. So he's, yeah. he's like the little cheery elf in our house. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> he is, he's the best. He should be a member of this team. He kind of is. Um, before we get into what, Kate's actually here for, oh, sorry. But before we get into what Kate <laughs> oh, gosh. is actually here for, it's Thanksgiving week, so I have two questions. Are you both listening to Christmas music yet? Or when does that get turned? When does Michael, Catherine, allow it to be turned on? <laughs> um, and do you have rules around that? And then what are you most, each of you, what are you most thankful for this year? I'll let Kate go first. Okay. Um, absolutely <laughs> listening to Christmas music. I already, actually, I, yes, 100%. Me too. 100%. Oh. Um, have been listening to it since like June. And some, I mean, sometimes I just listen to it whenever. It's very helpful for me to calm down. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, went in hard starting October 1st. And then I am most thankful um, for my like seriously this sounds very corny but just my my family particularly my husband this year um we started foster parenting and it's been a very fun crazy insane awesome journey like there's just Mm -hmm. no other way to describe that and um you know we just moved into a new house and I just love like I just love our family I love what we're doing even when it's um even when it's nuts. So that's, that's what I'm most thankful for is like, I would not trade it for anything, even when it's driving me crazy. <laughs> uh-huh. That's all you know, it's good. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so same, same on the music. It's already happening. Wow. Um, and let's see, most grateful for this year. I think just, um, I think health, like the health of my own family. Um, it's something we try not to take for granted. And so um, I'm just, I'm grateful that I feel like as a family, we try to do things that are, whether it's going for a walk or anything um, that we're just more attentive to that over the past year. That's awesome. What about you, Richard? What's the Christmas music status and your gratitude? I, I, the Christmas music <laughs> wouldn't stop if I like make myself, it would be a year round thing. I do it in order. It's a whole thing. Um, But I I make myself wait until the day after Thanksgiving. And then it's usually nonstop. I'm also the person who still has like the CDs in my car and like a little thing. And I love, (laughs) 
Like that to me is part of it, right? Like not just like downloading music. Like to me, it's the CDs and all the, I don't know, all of it. Um, so I haven't started yet, although I did drive to Wisconsin a couple weeks ago and it was snowing and I had to drive four hours in the snow and the sleet. And uh, we turned on Christmas music then to call me like Kate said she does because I was in a panic attack of like, I haven't driven in snow in five years and I don't know what I'm doing. So we put on Christmas music. It was like perfect because we don't really get snow usually in Texas. So it made sense, but it stopped as soon as we were out of the car and I haven't listened to it since, but I will start on Friday of this week. It turns out. Exciting. Yeah. And I'm thankful for growth. Personally, professionally, Hearts Need Arts growth. It's been a really fun year and I'm excited for the future. Awesome. All right. The future of the podcast is not just us babbling, though. We're here for a reason, although I thought that was fun. Um, Kate, tell us where you're from, like literally where you're from in the United States, okay. where you're at, because I think that's always fun because we talk to people from all over the world. And then what you uh, do there, because it's very exciting and fascinating. Yes. So we are in Norfolk, Virginia, which is more commonly associated with Virginia Beach, Virginia. But just so you all know, there is a difference. We do independent cities here instead of counties. And so when you call Norfolk, Virginia Beach or vice versa, like from outside, we're always very quick to be like, no, no. That's like, a no, no. Yeah, <laughs> right. I am. I'm from Norfolk. So I live in Norfolk. Our office is in Norfolk. We do serve all the cities around us, including Virginia Beach. So um, no hate, just loyalty. Um, but I, <laughs> I just want to make that clear to everyone. So that's where we are. Um, and for those who need like a visual, we're in the southeastern corner of the state, um, right up against the Atlantic Ocean. So we, we you know, we at the ocean it's super fun here um and so what uh i do in this great city of mine is serve as the executive director of tidewater arts outreach um, and we are an agency that focuses exclusively on using arts to bring joy and healing to older and isolated adults um, we added the and isolated um, several years ago to our mission statement to make sure that we were really capturing what we were doing. Um, because, you know, those two groups of people, we can, we're definitely going to talk more about this later, but they overlap significantly. But then there's always like, you know, in the Venn diagram of things, there's outliers. And um, we're very much more about including more and not less. And so we um, definitely want to make sure that we added that directly into our mission and, and made a you know, a statement about it. So. And what kind of yeah. arts do you guys incorporate into your programming? Is it just music? Is it visual? Is it? Yeah, that's always, <laughs> it's always a great question. And the answer is like, what can you think of? Mm -hmm. We're, we're open to it. Um, and so we have an artist roster of, I want to say like 90 ish individuals and groups represented wow. at this point. So yeah, a lot of artistic personnel and we have four major areas, music, visual arts, performing arts, and literary arts. Um, but within those umbrellas, like huge diversity, um, you know, under literary arts, you can do poetry, oral histories, personal history, storytelling, um, creative writing, you know, all, all kinds of things. 
um, visual art. I have like almost every medium you can imagine, um, you know, from clay to paint to, uh, you know, decoupage, like mixed media, um, just anything that you could possibly think of resin we're getting into now. So oh, there's cool. a lot of different, a lot of different mediums and disciplines um, within our roster, every genre under the sun <laughs> in the music area. You know, we go classical, we go rock, we go one man band, we have actual bands, um, bluegrass. Like, it's just like, you know, it's a huge diversity of things. And so when we approach partners about doing programs, we're very much like, what do you want? Because you probably have it. Right. Your menu is pretty extensive. <laughs> I have referred to it as a menu before. I'm like, here's your menu of options. And we actually like limit the menu sometimes to not all of the possibilities. And I tell partners, I'm like, look, if I gave you every single thing we've ever done, you're not even going to read the list. You're going to get overwhelmed and you won't work with me anymore. So I need an index. Like just... right, exactly. And then we give you a sampling and then we'll go from there. Can you talk a little bit about your partners? Like, are they... Like what types of facilities are you going in? Are you doing classes on your own or are you working exclusively like with, with facilities? Right. So this is always a big uh, question. And um, so we, I always tell people we're a B2B business. Um, so we're doing all programs in partnership with other organizations that are already serving older and isolated adults. Because typically it's not hard for um, the groups that were, the adults that we're focusing on to receive services it is hard to re-reach them, as it were, piecemeal. And so the most efficient way we found is to work through partnership. Partners can be senior living communities, um, nursing and rehabilitation centers, day support centers, hospitals, shelters, libraries, city parks and rec, um, general community groups that are focused on seniors, um, you know, a service provider for adults with disabilities, integrated behavioral health care, you know, like just whatever you can think of. So we've got municipal partners and private partners and, um, you know, congregate care, just like seriously we, we, what we tell people is like if look if you work with older and isolated adults you should call us we can probably do something um it will look differently you know some partners we work with like once a week or more than once a week and others are more of like once a month or once a quarter but we're 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 like down for the ride as long as we're targeting the groups that we're trying to target when you're in those <clears throat> excuse me those types of facilities um are those interactions in a group? Are you doing one-on-one in their right. rooms or is it kind of a blend of? Right. Of so typically it is group programming. Um, again, we're, we're trying to go for an efficiency model as much as possible. And because a huge aim of our work is defeating social isolation, doing group programs is, you know, that's part of the deal is increasing those social connections and working with others and feeling accomplished alongside others. And, you know, bringing joy, um, which right. is usually done in groups. That being said, um, we sometimes have program models that are one-on-one, -on -one, and we also don't put pressure on our partners to reach a certain, like, census um, with us. So we don't say, like, oh, the only way that you can work with us is if you have a group of at least 20 or 10 or something. Um, you know, <laughs> if we've learned nothing from this pandemic, it's like RSVPs and events now really hard. Um, and we're not here to make it harder. So we've done programs for one person. We thought maybe yeah. 10 would show up and one person showed up and that artist was just like, that's cool. You get a private lesson with me today. Awesome. Or something, you know, we just, we, we tell our artists to be as flexible as possible. We do as much planning as we can, but in the moment it's like, you're there to serve the person or persons who are there. Um, 
or sometimes the program really is designed for one. So for an example, we have um, some partners who are hospice providers and we've done bedside you know, programs for one patient that was, you know, um, maybe imminent as they say in hospice. Um, and you know, it's like, we want, we want another experience. They're, they're still here. Um, and, uh, that's always really powerful. And our artists walk away from that feeling, you know, like, wow, I really like this was impactful and a great moment. So again, the answer is, <laughs> everything and anything. <laughs> um, we try to be very open to the needs of our partners. So like, what are their needs? What are they looking for from a creative or an, or an artistic experience? And then fulfill their hopes and dreams from there. I have a, oh, did you, you have go, a question? Richard, okay. you um, so we always, you know, this, this podcast and what we do in arts and health is all about like the celebration of what we're doing. And you're working with a population that is, I, we have found, I guess, at Hearts and Art, maybe not for you, that it's sometimes difficult to get that yes out of them, that they want to engage and that they can be creative. How do you find that? Is it different because right. of where you're at? And how do you overcome that with your with your patients? Yeah. So yeah, we're sometimes working with residents, patients, just general community members. Um, that's actually something we do when we do partner intake is we say like, what do your people call themselves? And like, make sure that we're doing like a very social work focused, you know, intake where we're like, we're going to meet you where you're at language wise and needs wise. Um, when we do intake with a partner, we interview them on a lot of these questions. Like what are the challenges that you're seeing in, in the programming you're already doing? What do you, what are you looking for? Are you trying to engage more men? I mean, that's something that we hear several times, which yeah. sounds weird, but it's not because, you know, typically what will happen is like in your your average senior living community um and they call them communities not facilities by the way like if you call them a facility they get real mad at you um, <laughs> <laughs> so and not, not you know obviously not fussing or anything it's just i have i have been on the end of that so many times i'm like i'm sorry so um but anyway, um, but yeah, when we're we're talking to them, they'll say things like, oh, yeah, when we put out like a paint class or something, all the women will show up and we get no guys. And so we'll be like, well, what about a comedian, you know, or something like that? Like, why don't we try something else that maybe will be a little more accessible or at least see more accessible to everyone? They make those social connections with those around them. And then they're more likely to participate in the other programs because they're like, oh, well, so-and-so is going, so I'm going to go too. You know, you humans never stop doing that. I don't care how old you get. They're always like that. Um, and I think also this is back to like your question about how we get them engaged and how we overcome that. Um, we do train our artists pretty, um, pretty extensively in like, this is who you're serving. Like when we first bring them on the artist roster, they have an interview with myself and my program director. We're very much like, this is who you're serving, or these are the different groups of people that you'll be serving. You know, feel free to experiment, to try new things, to make adaptations, you know, like you don't have to, there are no rules here. The only rules that you bring joy, how you do that is very much up to you. Um, you're the expert in what you do. We are not. We are here to make the connections and provide you with the resource, pay you, all those things. And you're there to really make make the magic happen. Um, so we do that. And we also, I think because we work in partnership, we're already working with trusted individuals for the participants. 
So they already know this activity director, or they already know that program manager, they already know this outreach coordinator, like all of those, like there's already a relationship there. And that's part of the beauty of the partnership model is not trying to establish trust with the end user ourselves, but saying like presenting our product and our service and making it a good value for who we're providing it for. And then letting letting that relationship facilitate um, their participation. And it takes time, like, absolutely. Um, again, like sometimes we've had a program of one for the first one because they were just like, what is that? Um, and that's becoming less and less common now. We, uh, we, we are now, it's now starting to become a little more reputation-based where not only does the participant recognize the partner and, and trust that partner to provide them with a good program, but they're also noticing like, oh, that's a Taiwan Arts Outreach Program. Like I, I did that over here. I did this at that library or whatnot. It's going to be great. Let's go back again. So you're familiar. Yeah, you're familiar to them. Yeah, the familiarity is starting to happen, which is one of our strategic plan goals. So I'm so glad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, when when you're developing programming or your artists are creating programming uh, or activities for these um, communities, what, um, like, how do you ensure that it's age appropriate, I guess? Um, yes. Because we, we've talked about this a little bit before, like the importance of not um, babying people or, you know, making it age appropriate. It's a big question. And honestly, I was I was talking to someone about this earlier today, even um, that line can be really fine sometimes. And again, when we're doing our artist interviews before they join the roster, and we also have in our artist handbook now um, that gets really into detail about this, we're very clear. We are here to serve adults, even when children are uh, present in the programs, which sometimes they are, depending on the partner and what's going on and whatnot. But even, even when that's the case, your focus is the adults and the adults need to be proud of what they did at the end and feel like they really participated in something meaningful for them. Um, and so we kind of like internally came up with this little catchphrase that I eventually did like an e-blast about. So I guess it's not internal anymore, but um, <laughs> we say, uh, particularly for our visual arts artists, we say frame, not fridge. So mm -hmm. not that I have anything against fridge art, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, the fridge is a great place, but I want the products that they are, and I say products just meaning like what they've produced sure. um, in a program to be so meaningful to them that they would maybe take it to get framed and put on their wall. Um, they are super proud of what they did. Um, we have a community where they did their first like acrylic pour program and they just made these little like, I think they're like six by six squares or something. They weren't huge, They were, but they were so proud of them that they hung them up in the main lobby of their community. Not just like, they didn't just take them back to the rooms. They wanted the whole, like all their fellow residents to see them. And so that's the result we're looking for is like, oh, wow, I didn't know I could accomplish something like that. And I did, and now I want everyone to know about it. So we're very conscientious about that. And like even our um, program staff, when they're working with artists to plan programs and determine the content and everything. I love how I have this glow, by the way. For those I of know, you it's very, yes. <laughs> if you're listening, you need to watch the video. Cool. <laughs> like very striking. Anyway, um, but our program staff will, um, will even like really help the artists when they're conceiving the program ideas. Almost every single program is completely different. And, um, you know, so they'll be like, hmm, you know, I like this idea, but let's up the ante a little bit so that we make sure again that an adult who's had a rich life, full experience and it's and got their own talents. Like a lot of them, we're like, 
that's some hidden talent right there. Mm -hmm. You know, you walk in here saying you can't do art and we're a little confused about what you mean by that, but because <laughs> um, it looks pretty great. And if I try to do that, that's not what would happen. Um, you know, and so that that that's our focus. And we we're very conscious. That's not something that will happen just you know, whatever. You have to make conscientious decisions about that. And um, and yeah. Are you still how long have you been with, with Tidewater? So I've served the, as the executive director. It's been two years exactly wow. this week. I was actually wow. just the date. Yeah. Oh my God. Wait, say that again. <laughs> say that again. How long have you been with Tidewater? Two years exactly as the executive director. I love that. Um, and I did serve as the director of development for about a year prior to that. And then there was a break in between. That's kind of when COVID happened and everything like first happened. I don't, is it still happening? I don't know. But um, uh, so yeah, about a little over three years with the organization in total. Um, but the when I took over as executive director was like December 2020 or uh, I'm sorry November 2020 like when it was just kind of like all right perfect timing yeah it was it was wild nice. <laughs> we were like programs and a few partners and let's just see what we can do here so it's um it's much much better now I will say that do you still get like I still get goosebumps and I will tear up like when people make that like switch in their minds of like oh I am an artist like mm -hmm. I, can you talk a little bit about that, about watching people kind of come into their creativity? Oh, yeah. How um, it feels. So I it's hard sometimes we're doing almost 90 or we're doing over 90 programs a month right now, which is a lot. And so the staff and I always have to balance this like. Um, going to programs versus planning programs. They are not the same thing. And our region is very wide geographically. So we'd spend all of our time in the car going to programs or we can plan the programs. Those mm -hmm. are kind of our choices, but we try to go to them whenever we can. Um, when I get to witness this moment, it's amazing, but I also get to read them in our artist surveys because they're very, artists, artists are awesome at filling out their post-program surveys. And when I see something like, you know, this, there's a woman, a sweet woman coming into a program and it's a painting program. And she just came to support her friend because we find out later she has macular degeneration. And she was pretty convinced that there was just no way she was going to be participating. But as she was like seeing what the artist was doing with the other participants, she was like, well, maybe, and picks up a paintbrush and starts doing it. And the artist leads her through the whole thing. And, um, and only after she's created her masterpiece does the artist get the story of why she was you know, kind of hanging back at the beginning. And she just said, like, I just never thought I would be able to do this, but I, I love what I see here. And I, I feel so accomplished. Um, and we, uh, when we measure the benefits of these programs with participants and partners, we have a list of benefits we want them to check off that they, um, that they observed in the program. And um, the feeling accomplished and confident is the third is, is in the top three. Um, mm -hmm. The first one is positive social interaction with others, which is great because that's our primary mission. Um, second one is better mood. And then the third is the co the confidence and accomplishment. And I think though that feeds into the other two very much. Like, you know, I am, I am an artist. And for some of them, they were, quote unquote, were artists and they feel like that's done until they do it. And then they're like, oh, I can still do it. Um, and then some never even tried, but now I'm here and I'm in this program. I guess I'll, I guess I'll try it. And then they try it and they're like, wow, I didn't, 
I didn't know I had, like I said, the hidden talent thing. I didn't know I had that inside of me. And that's always a wonderful moment to, um, to see and to see someone just realize like, Hey, it's not over. And that's that going back to like, when you were talking about like how we serve adults, we're very, again, we hammer this home. It's a very conscious effort of like, these people are still alive. They're still contributing to life on this earth. We are not going to treat them like, okay, your time is done. You're on the shelf. All of that. None of that is, is welcome here. Um, I'm, this is a very welcoming organization and mission, but those are a couple of things that are just not welcome. <laughs> um, and uh, we don't want any of that juju. We want the, you know, we're here to celebrate everybody's talent and individuality and what they can still do. Um, so that's, that's what we're, we're aiming for. What would you say to people who, um, I guess I have like two questions um, because I think there's probably a lot of people that whether they're caregivers or they have a family member that um, perhaps lives in one of these types of communities um, and they might be thinking like, well, I'm not an artist or musician or I'm not creative. Um, do, you, do you have any, um, I guess, tips for how people can still engage with their loved ones or a friend that they know that might be isolated. Like how can they engage with this population of people? Um, even if they feel like they themselves don't have some like special talent to talent, share. Right. <laughs> yeah. So when we like it, this is, this is so interesting. It's actually something we're really going to be tackling in 2023 um, with empowering others to empower others. Like mm -hmm. we're, we're trying to roll out a um, new training uh, program that uh, the, our staff and our artist roster will facilitate to make like, particularly our program staff, like or our partner staff, like our program directors, the coordinator, like everyone I was just mentioning, feel like they can also do that. Um, and definitely, you know, to your point of like family members and caretakers, like also incorporating them into that type of experience where it's like, let me show you how we do what we do in an accessible way for someone who isn't necessarily like been painting for 20 years or been making music everyone can be creative like and i speak as someone who got a bachelor's of music degree like there's certainly professionalization in art and i and i think that's great i don't think there's anything wrong with that but i also don't think the general population needs to be like well i'm not an artist because none of us would agree with that like you know we say like if you make music you're a musician if you make art you're an artist and there's someone who appreciates your what you're doing like it's not everyone um but it's there's always somebody who's going to appreciate your efforts and um i think that there's so many opportunities that people have to be creative with their loved ones and those around them and the 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 emphasis on on those experiences like cannot be overstated. I um I actually have um, a grandmother in law. I know it sounds weird, but my husband's grandmother. She just recently passed after turning a hundred. Um, and she's an amazing woman. Um, I say it in the present tense because I think she's still amazing. Um, was an MFA. Uh, you know, she was painting well into her nineties. Wow. Um, beautiful works of art. I love her stuff. She did geometric patterns and. Um, but there were several times where Eleanor, um, you know, would be in rehabilitative care for just various, you know, health concerns and whatnot. And I loved visiting her and bringing these random art projects. This is well before I heard of Taiwan Arts Outreach, by the way. So once I heard of this, I, I knew I was home. But, um, you know, I would bring her like these, like, we would make wreaths or 
something. And, and I would sit there with her and, and create. And I just didn't, not only was it like amazing, I think for her, cause she was just like sometimes bored out of her mind, like, mm-hmm. you know, not exactly fun to convalesce. Um, but I was also like, this is so relaxing <laughs> like, <laughs> before work. I, I had an evening job at that time and like do before work and just feel very much like, oh, this is like, I could just sit here all day and do this <laughs> so ready to go do my, my actual job now. Um, and, uh, I actually looked into being like a recreation therapist out of that. Cause I was like, so inspired and, but now I'm here and this is great. And like, you know, I think I've, I, again, I've found my home, but, um, like the, the benefits to to humans when they create are certainly very um they can be very uh ambiv- um oh, what's the word i'm looking for nebulous as far as like narrow like nailing down like the actual benefits and i think those benefits of like your soul food and whatnot are really really wonderful and they can't be discounted but for those of you who are a little more cerebral and practical which i'm a very pragmatic human being and so i understand that um there's some real there's real research and science behind how creating makes you a healthier human being. Um, if you have a family member who is experiencing poor health, I think there's a lot that you can do to make that better by encouraging them to create with you. Um, not, I, it doesn't replace modern medicine, but it certainly complements what we're doing medically so that, you know, you can achieve a better outcome and at at least peace. You know, I was talking about hospice earlier, like, you know, at at some point we are all going to leave this earth. Like that's just the way it is, but um, you can still leave on a high note. And um, I think that that's, um, that's like the power of the arts to do all of the things that I'm just talking about. And I'll stop talking because like, I could just go on forever (laughs) and the research goes on forever for those of you who are interested. Um, the Foundation for Art and Healing is a great resource for this. For those who want to actually look it up, they're like, are you just making this up? So, no, there's, there's a great, there's a great uh, pool of research out there to look at. And they have nice little succinct fact sheets that you can read and whatnot. But yeah, I, I, I encourage people to not just rely upon the TAOs and the art and the professional artists for this service. Like what we do is great. Um, but if you are just a family member with an older loved one that you're like, I want to get out and create with them. Well, just go do it. Take them to an art museum. You know what I mean? Like just mm-hmm. do the thing. Um, you're absolutely making a difference that way. Yeah. And I think that's important that you said, take them to a museum. It isn't go buy all these supplies or go buy a new guitar. It's yeah. it's, there are benefits to just ingesting the arts as yeah. well. Even um, if it's showing them a, a book, like an, you know, going through an art book together. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, I had a question that I was super excited. This is why I need a pen to write these things down because, but I was getting so into what you were saying that I completely forgot uh, what I was going to ask. But what um, are you excited about in the for the future of arts and health or maybe of Tidewater? Like, what are, what are you looking forward to? Well, I was referring to like the, the body of research that is um, that is increasing all the time. And um, I'm certainly excited for that to continue. I want more and more people to understand like that this that this is real and it's not just like voodoo or something. Um, I also think that the pandemic, as horrible as it was, um, really opened everyone up to just how critical creation like creativity and creative arts and 
uh, creating as a person is to just being a human. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I don't know anyone who didn't adopt something, even if it was just like, I got really good at cooking. Well, cooking is an art. <laughs> like, yeah. As someone who loves to cook, like that's the whole thing. They call it culinary arts for a reason. It's actually something I really hope to have in our repertoire one day. Um, but you know, I mean, the people who were like, I'm now decorating cupcakes all the time because that's what, what my boredom thing was during the pandemic. It's like, well, it wasn't boredom. It was, I no longer have a lot of the stimulus that I would have from going out and being with friends and whatever. And creating filled this hole that I had. It like, because not only can you experience isolation from others, I think you can experience isolation from yourself. And both of those things are extremely unhealthy. And what art does is it can address both of those things. It can address it when you're alone in a room and you're feeling really disconnected from like your own head and you don't know why. And like, you just like, you you sit down, you just start writing or you just start drawing or you just, you know, start beating out of whatever it is that you're doing. Like we do this because it's actually like a human need. Um, And then same thing for, you know, societal connection, like, look at like any society in the world and you'll see how every single one has a method of getting together and creating whether it's dance you know artwork music they do it they have some sort of system for it some are you know sometimes it's like a symphony sometimes it looks like um um uh, i did this really cool folk dance when i was in hawaii many years ago visiting grandparents and um i'm i'm japanese by descent and um they have something called a bone dance, which is, it's, it's a line dance is basically what it is. I mean, (laughs) every culture has one and this one is called um, a bone dance and you get in a circle and you do the, you follow the leader and do the things. And, um, and it was super fun. And like, I didn't know anything about it before I tried it at the cultural center. And um, you know, we just, we, we have to do these things. I, there, it is, it is inside of us. (laughs) There is no getting away from it. Yeah. It's like, we just have to accept it. Like, just accept it that it's here and that we need it. And that we're, someone just said the other day, we're created to create. And I was like, yes. Yes, a hundred, that is like, yes, a (laughs) hundred percent create. And I think for the future, it's like, we just, we need to really invest in this. Like I, I'm again, I'm a very pragmatic person and and my, one of my primary jobs here is fundraising. And um, I'm constantly just telling funders, like, look, I'm going to pay my artists and I'm going to buy professional supplies. That's, that's my standard. So, um, you know, I, I, I need your support to do that. And yeah. I, th- I think it's a good investment of, of your funds. And um, many of our funders agree, which is how we've managed to sustain the growth that we've seen, which is fantastic. And, and I think that is the trajectory. I, I, I think, again, horrible pandemic, but there were great lessons learned out of it. I said that during the entire like height of the pandemic is I hope we don't forget how important the arts were during this when everyone, every museum suddenly had free virtual tours. They were putting, there were, there were arts all over the internet so people could take it in and I, and people were just giving away their art because they knew how important it was. And I, I hope we don't ever forget that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I I hope not too. And at least while I am living, I will and breathing, I will continue yeah. to. <laughs> I'll, I'll be that person with like grandchildren and going like back in my day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I, I intend to be that person. Hopefully, we can be the grandparents that are like back in my day. I didn't have a musician in my hospital room every time <laughs> right, right. I was admitted. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man, that is that is what we should aim for. It's like it used to be boring, and yeah. now look at you. 
and coloring, <laughs> playing drums, like, live music. Yeah. Like, stop complaining. <laughs> How lucky are you to be in the hospital right now? Right. How fortunate are you right now? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kate, what's the best way to for people to connect with you or Tidewater Arts or learn more about what y'all are doing? Yeah, so we're pretty good at being um, uh, at communicating, or at least I think we are. So uh, we have a website, tidewateroutsoutreach.org. Um, also, all of our social media stuff, we're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Um, our handle's at 757artsoutreach. Um, we're also on Twitter. Um, <laughs> Twitter's been gotten a little weird lately, so I've been leaving that alone. That's a whole other conversation. Um, <laughs> but I would love to relate. have with you. We yes. Can <laughs> this ends recording <laughs> and I'm we have things. Like, we'll just wait a minute for that. Um, but yeah, so we're, but yeah, we're on all the social, uh, social media sites, always happy to get just random emails from people who want to like learn more, collaborate, talk more Have about you on their podcast. On. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we would, we'd love to love to connect with anyone. So holler at us. Great. Thank you. Catherine, Kate. Yeah. Any last words, Catherine, before we let Kate go to her. It was just so good to talk with Kate Powell today. <laughs> you oh i'm so <laughs> i was agreeing is it going oh there there we go <laughs> and uh, we apparently didn't give them enough sugar before we were um hey thank you so much for hanging out with us today oh no thank you for having me it's been a delight we uh, appreciate you. I have so many questions about what you're doing after we're done recording. So I'm going to say goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening and watching. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're doing that. And uh, make sure you keep creating, okay? All right, everyone. See you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Arts for the Health. This episode is produced by Arts Needle, creative support for patients and caregivers, and hosted by Richard Wilmore and Catherine Parsi. You can support the show and help others learn about the healing power of the arts by visiting heartsneedarts.org. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Hearts Need Art, their staff, board members, or other affiliates. All content is created for information purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice or to diagnose and treat any health condition. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professionals with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking because of something you've heard on this podcast.